Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. We've been waiting for you. We pray this message inspires, encourages, and blesses you. Thanks for listening. We're going to get into this last message of this series. In fact, we were originally intended to finish last week with my wife preaching, um, but I had thought I had to correct some wrong theology from my wife. No, 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 not at all. Don't get in that rut, exactly. I'll get stuck in that rut, then kicked in the pants in that. I'm a stirrer, I'm sorry. I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit just to touch on this one more time. Just to communicate something of God's hand and heart. Here is the text for this series. It's Romans 12 too. Here it is. Do not conform. Book of Romans written by Paul to the church at Rome. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Um, I mean, there's so much in this. Honestly, we could preach for the rest of the year. Um, You're wanting to know the will of God. uh, Don't let the world, first of all, put you in conformity. You want to know the will of God. Be renewed first in your mind and you'll find God's perfect will for your life. And, And so... Today, the title of my message is You Can Change. (laughs) This is good news. (laughs) It's good news for somebody like me. You can change. I don't know about you, but it's good news for me. You can change. And that's the message that Apostle Paul is really trying to underline here. He's saying, you know, you've been saved. You've been born again. He was speaking to Jews and Gentiles. Jews were the in crowd. Gentiles were the out crowd originally. But he's saying, you know, Jews and Gentiles, don't conform to the old pattern, the old way, but be transformed, metamorpho, be transformed, metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind. Let me give you a little bit of a backstory behind this series um, and why we've been speaking on this series as many of you know, uh, December 2020, I think it was, 2020, um, uh, I got diagnosed with a brain tumour um, and 53 um, millimetre brain tumour on my brain stem. And that was quite a process, 15-hour open brain surgery, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't go blah, 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 but it's a long story. You, you know the backstory. At the time, I was devotionally reading the book of Romans was coming across, you know, passages like this in the book of Romans devotionally. I was studying the book of Romans. After the brain surgery, and I'm passionate about praying for healing because I personally know the healing power of God and the praying church, the power of a praying church, which is just so powerful. You're a part of a praying church, which is just so good. A praying church, there's no limitation you see, because prayer is God giving, it's our permission for heavenly interference. And there's no limits on what God can do in and through 
our lives as we pray. Uh, I digress. That was a side platter just over there. It's a little prawn cocktail on the side over there. <laughs> and so after the brain surgery, I went to see a gentleman, a godly man that we have been seeing for the last several years, maybe once a year, a psychologist. He was a pastor originally. Um, he had his uh, nervous breakdown. And, and then when he got restored in his soul, he did a doctorate, as you do, in psychology. <laughs> and, and so, and he's just a godly man that, you know, we see once a year just to have a, a different perspective in our lives. I went and saw him after the surgery because I wanted to know what I was up for, you know, like in terms of who, you know, my body, my soul, just in response. And, and I asked him, what, you know, what am I up for, you know, post-surgery? He said something interesting. You know, this is a bit of a backstory behind even how I think the Holy Spirit put us in direction for this series. He, he, said, he said these words to me. He said, Johnny, you've got to be really careful post-trauma. You've got to be really aware of when you've walked through trauma and you're saying in terms of not only emotional trauma with brain tumour, et cetera, et cetera, but your body's been through trauma. And he said, you've got to be really aware of that and be very careful, especially the first 18 months to two years of just being extra aware of your soul and your emotions and your mind You've got to be a little bit more proactive, he said to me, uh, around your thoughts and, and what you engage in thoughts and then how it outworks in your soul and your emotions. And, and it was wonderful, godly advice. Um, from there, we discussed how, and really I implemented post-surgery something in my devotion, added to my devotional life a sense, a little bit more meditation, godly meditation, where I would think and meditate and dwell upon scriptures. So it went from here to here and it just added to the dimensions of my devotional life. But it was really wonderful advice. That Those thoughts actually led me to reading a not only the scriptures, but uh, reading one of the, uh, a book that was a, uh, you know, a godly book that is in your recommended reading on our website, which we do have a whole lot of resources every quarter. We're putting up new resources for you just to fill your heart with. Sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's books. Um, I, I was speaking to a lady last week that actually took, had bought this book and read it and it's just been another you know, encouragement alongside of this preaching series. But I was reading this book, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Greshel, and there were some things that were just reminding me of God's plan for our hearts. Another book that I was reading was Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Karen Leaf, who is a godly woman, particularly uh, focuses on neuroplasticity in your brain is some of her research and some of her studies, but a godly woman of God. And all this is this backstory of how God was speaking to me. You see, the Scriptures, the Bible is a double-edged sword. <laughs> so it cuts me <laughs> before it cuts you sometimes. Because God began to speak to me about my ruts and about my possible ruts. <laughs> We've been speaking about ruts. And he began to position me, and praise God, I'm still there, of being in the position where I'm not going to stay in ruts. 
It, it started way back when for that 30 seconds that I began to feel like a victim because I had a brain tumor. I was like, I'm not going to stay there because I'm not a victim. I'm blessed. So are you. And, and, and so God was speaking to me before he was speaking to you. And, and then God began to say, John, I want you to take this a little bit further. I want you to share with our church. Encourage them not to get stuck in the rut. So that's why we're here. That's why we've been speaking around not being stuck in a rut. In, in fact, to define rut, can you just put up there, uh, we, we've said this on several weeks, that a rut is a, we've defined this as a repeated pattern of thoughts creating a pathway that impacts our lives. So today, you may just be the result of what you're thinking. You say, well, I've been, these people did that. Well, well, well there's, you will find again this morning that there's nothing, there's no rut that God can't take you out of and bring you into a God-blessed, hope-filled future and purpose for your life. And so we've been speaking about new ways of thinking and that they are a catalyst for change. I've seen, been pastoring a while now and some, many times I see people come to Jesus, hear that God wants to change their life and people try to transform themselves. This is not, talk, this is not self-help, church. Please, can I just put it out? This is not self-help. This is the God that, that is not finished with us, that He's working in us, that He's got something great for us in our future. Amen? Some of the things as I was reflecting through this book that I read, Switch on Your Brain, which I would recommend. I don't normally recommend anything that I don't read myself. Um, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, he's read it. <laughs> i got nothing else to say on that. I think that's just a good thing. <laughs> These, uh, this speaks of Dr. Carolyn speaking of some of the change available when our minds are renewed. So I pray this just whets your appetite a little bit more again this morning, if I can read it under the lights. You can learn how to learn and deepen your intellect by renewed mind. You can overcome those learning issues. You can get the chaos in your mind under control. You don't have to walk around in guilt and condemnation. If you're wired those toxic thoughts in, you can wire those toxic thoughts out. You don't have to get stuck in bad habits. You can change them. Turn to the person beside you and say, you can change. <laughs> she goes on. This is in point form. This is just the introduction. I love books like this when the first couple of chapters are baiting you into a changed life. You can overcome, feel, overcome feelings of rejection and hurt. Amen. You don't have to worry about things that are out of your control. You're not a victim of the things you shouldn't be doing. You, you don't have to fear that if a condition runs in your family, that you're going to get it yourself. Wow, that's significant. This is all talking about a renewed mind. Once again, not, not without God. This is God right at the centre. You can balance your overthinking and overanalyzing mind. Amy Kerridge. Come on, she throws me under the bus. 
You can overcome and control depression and anxiety. Amen? This was significant when I read this. In fact, it expands on it later. You can overcome and control depression and anxiety. Some scientists are showing you can even control and overcome schizophrenia and OCD. You don't have to keep digging into the past to get free from it. You can be happy and filled and filled with peace regardless of your circumstances. Coming from a godly Christian doctor that, that has her science in one hand, study, and the Bible in the other, and everything that she's, she's discovering is like the Bible has been saying for thousands of years, everything that scientists, scientists have been discovering, the Bible's been saying for thousands of years, so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I want you to tell two people now. You said to one person before, I want you to tell two people, you can change. Go on, on both sides. Even your second, second choice. <laughs> so here's the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul hadn't yet visited Rome. He wanted to be there. He was longing to be there. He was writing a letter that would get to Rome and then hopefully he would come after and visit them in person. And he's writing. Uh, the, the book of Romans is, is life-changing. You read the book of Romans, it's just absolute beautiful doctrine. It's beautiful gospel. First three or four chapters is bad news. Uh, it's like, man, we just lost in our sin. <laughs> we got to know the bad news if we want to really understand the good news. That we can't work our way into salvation. That it's only by grace we are saved. <laughs> and so the Apostle Paul sets us up. It's like, well, <laughs> and then from five to about chapter eight or nine, I think it's just pure gospel, good news. It was saved by grace through faith. He speaks about the gospel in the first part of Romans. But like any good preacher, he not only goes just from theory, he says, okay, this is how you're going to do it. This is how you can do it. And so really from Romans 12, he begins to unpack how you can live the Christian life and how can you can live the Christian faith. That's why it's so significant, Romans 12, because Paul is saying, okay, now I've said I've baited you with how good the Christian faith is and, and how good Jesus is and how good His mercy is. And, and he says, no, now I want your life to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by your mind being renewed, for then you'll understand and know the perfect pleasing will of God, you see. So it's actually really profound when you put it in perspective. One of the major messages of Romans is that the just will live by faith. The just. Uh, you were you, you that just. You were the justified. What does that mean? Well, in every way, even deep theologians will say that the doctrine of justification is just as if I'd never sinned. <laughs> Jesus looks at you. If you receive His grace and forgiveness, He looks at you. God the Father looks at you just as if you'd never sinned. And then the Apostle Paul begins to unpack this further. He says that those kind of people, you, the just will live by faith, by believing. And so the goal of a faithful life is transformation. It's not church attendance. 
I love you coming to church. But the goal, one of the goals of our faith is to become like Jesus. The garden, what was lost in the garden is restored through Jesus, returning us to the garden. We were made in the image of God and God wants to restore the image of God in your life through Jesus Christ. You see, the goal of a faith-filled life is transformation. That's change. Tell, tell the second choice besides you. Say change. Two or three of you did that. So disobedient. The Apostle Paul unlocks a little bit further, and I love this, how he just breaks it down, that, that, that the way, the catalyst of a changed life, a transformed life is through a renewed mind. Who would just testify and say, you know, you're thinking before Christ and then after Christ that you just think different about some stuff. Put your hand up. You just think a little bit different. Some of you, uh, I'm glad we've got a few Christians in, in the house. Uh, I mean, we think different about ourselves, about the world, about others, about our future. That's transformation, that he renews our mind. This process of change, can I just pause there? We are redeemed in a moment. I believe in you, Jesus. You died for me. We are redeemed in a moment, but we're renewed over a lifetime. We're redeemed in a moment. Maybe even this morning, somebody will just take that, that step, that bold, wonderful step of Jesus, I believe in you that I can't work myself to, he to heaven. My church attendance can't get me there. Me being good can't be there. But I believe that what you did was enough to cover my sin so I could be made right with God and I could be redeemed. <laughs> we're redeemed in a moment, but we're renewed over a lifetime. Uh, I pray the person that I was even a year ago, 18 months ago, is different to the person that is holding this mic today. Why? Because God is just only satisfied with perfection. No, because He's working something in my life that He's not finished. He's at work in every way. All of us are fixer-upperists. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that process is called sanctification. So the Holy Spirit renews your mind by releasing power from within. This is where it's so important because not without God, this is God. His Word and His Spirit from within. The world tries to conform you from without. Pressure, pressure, pressure. It, it, indoctrination, propaganda from without. The Holy Spirit transforms you and me from within. And so we've said through this series some really beautiful, I, I think beautiful, but practical Ways on how God can re renew our mind, how we can allow God to renew our mind. Just put that up there. Expose the lie, first of all. Expose the lies. Embrace the truth. Because the lies, I'll touch on this again in a minute, the lies will keep you in the rut. Expose the lies. Embrace the truth. Rewire your brain. And then in brackets, I've said, this is how you can rewire it. That you, you write it, think it. Confess it until you believe it. In, in every way, science just echoes this, that what you repeat, you begin to create a new pathway in your brain. 
And then when you, the pathway is there, it becomes familiar. It becomes a way of doing something. It becomes a way of living and your life is transformed. So there's two questions to ask for a renewed mind. Here's the two questions we're going to touch on for the little time we have less left this morning. First of all, what lies are keeping you stuck? And secondly, what truth is setting you free? What lies are keeping you stuck? And secondly, what truth is setting you free? What lies are keeping you stuck? Now, sometimes this is a little bit tricky because it doesn't come easy to us sometimes to identify lies, right? That's why we swallow them. That's why we believe them because we, it's a little bit tricky to know whether what we're thinking, what we're believing is a lie or not. It's hard to identify them sometimes. Uh, and this is why Jeremiah 17.9 says this, that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so this is the framework that you and I are coming from, Proverbs 14.12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So sometimes it is tricky to identify lies when they're told to us. It really is. I'm not 100% sure, and my research, though limited, doesn't really clarify or quantify its truth. Nevertheless, it is a strong mythological belief in Greek culture around the story of the Trojan horse. For 10 years, the Trojans and the Greeks had battled quite severely to the point where the Greece, the Greek warriors had entrapped the Trojan warriors within their fortified city. Now, these battles had gone on, as I said, for 10 long years. And you understand the story, but I just want to expound on it just for a little while this morning to paint a picture of something. And so... There came a point where the Greeks built a horse, a huge horse, 35, 40 feet tall. It was hollowed out in the middle. And they said to the Trojans, because they couldn't get into the fortified city, they said to the Trojans that this is a peace offering. You know, let's, let, let's, let, let's just have peace. And so quite gullibly, gullibly, is that a word? Gullibly? They were very gullible, past it. <laughs> they were so gullible that they welcomed this peace offering, the Trojan horse, unaware that inside the hollowed out horse were Greek warriors. So when the Trojans slept, after pulling this Trojan horse into the middle of the fortified city, the story goes that the warriors came out and defeated the city and captured uh, the Trojan fortified city and won the battle once and for all. You know the story. The question is, what Trojan horse are you unknowingly accepting into your world? You're just opening the door. Come on in, baby. You're so vigilant around other things. <laughs> what fuel you put into your car. You're making sure that all your kids eat is organic certified food. God bless you. You've cut out meats of your diet with vigilance, 
But Trojan horse, yeah, come on in, baby. Back her up. Yeah, come on in. And they're lies. This is not coming out of condemnation. This is coming out of a sense of, wow, come on. There's so much freedom for you. There's so much freedom for you. You see, here's the point. You can observe your thinking and make adjustments. You can. Remember, you can change. If you got that point up there, you can observe your thinking and make adjustments. 2 Corinthians 10.5 testifies to this. We demolish arguments. We demolish arguments. Oh, I want God to do it. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I think what I'm feeling in the Spirit is that God wants some Holy Spirit-filled, spunky kind of Christians that says, "Uh uh-uh, Trojan horse, you're not coming in here. You are not coming in here. This is a setup for a pull down. And I've got a great destiny in God. You're not coming in here with these lies. You see how the Scriptures is explicit once again. It's we through the power of God. It's we through the power of God. The second thought on this, you can recognise and choose the right things to think about. You can recognise and choose the right things to think about. Is it Joyce Meyer that says, think about what you think about? Philippians 4.8, the Apostle Paul, once again, the Apostle Paul was massive on his theology around thought life. He says this, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix, fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How powerful is that? So here's some really practical ways how we can work through that. And I'm going to show you an example. First of all, identify the problem. There's a rut. We've been calling it a rut. Maybe there's a problem. In your life, maybe there's people that you just react to, respond to all the time. Maybe there's a time that you feel really insecure about something. Let's recognise it for what it is. It, it, it's a problem. It, it's a rut. Maybe, maybe there's, there's something that just prompts fear in your life. Uh, maybe there's an area that prompts discouragement. What we need to do is identify the problem. And I'm preaching to me as I am to you because we're human beings. I'm not saying you have problems and I've got quite the opposite. But identify the problem. And here's the second thought. Ask inquiring questions. Why do I feel like this? Why when those people walk past me without saying hello, why do I feel insecure? It might just be a red light flashing that you might be stuck in a rut. And so you identify the problem. Is this, is this okay? And ask inquiring questions, why do I feel like that? Locate the lie. Locate it. Because you cannot overcome what you do not define. See how you and the Holy Spirit, you, you and the Word of God, it's this beautiful partnership together. It's not all you, that's self-help, and it's just not all God. God is too kind that He wants to build a spiritual muscle within you. 
So we identify the problem. We ask inquiring questions. We locate the lie. Let me give you an example. There's a period in my life, my early 20s particularly, that I was just living under condemnation. Just condemnation of my past, of what I had done. Now, the difference between guilt and condemnation, you need to understand this, is guilt is unease from unforgiven sin. It's a part of what leads us to Jesus. It's feeling guilty because we are guilty. You're going really quiet. I'm guilty as charged. That, that is guilt. It's unease over unforgiven sin. But condemnation is unease from forgiven sin. That's good. And so I went through a big season of feeling condemned over my past life decisions, people I'd heard, things I'd said, stuff I'd done, condemnation. And, and so I had to go through this. I had to identify the problem. Maybe I didn't have it as clear in my head back then, but I had to identify, hang on, what's the problem? Well, I'm feeling condemned here. I had to ask inquiring questions. Why am I feeling condemned when that, that sin is forgiven? It's under the blood. I, I came up with some things that maybe I'm really not, believing in Jesus' finished work, that maybe I'm trying to earn my way to God's love and grace and good books. And so I was exposing the lie and then he brought me to Romans 8.1 that says, therefore now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden there's a new, there's a lie exposed. There's truth that sets us free and we begin to live outside of that lie that once Kept this in the rut. We can live free. And God wants to do that in our lives over and over again. Set us free from the inside out. I want you to put your hand upon your heart right now. Everybody in this place. I want you to pray this prayer with me. This is the first of two prayers. The second part's really quick. Here we, we're going to pray this together. Ready? Lord, show me the lies that are keeping me stuck. Amen? Amen. What truth is setting you free? What truth is setting you free? Ben, I want you guys to come actually. This will be real quick. If Satan's primary weapon is lies, then our greatest counter weapon is the truth of God's word. Not just reading the Bible, but learning to wield it, to wield scripture like a divine weapon. The weapon in the hand of a mighty warrior. I mean, that probably doesn't inspire the ladies. I'm not too sure. It inspires us men, the thought of, you know, William Wallace, you know, sons of Scotland, you know, the big speech, the big thing. Freedom, yeah, the sword and... and God wants to put a sword in your hand. Put a sword in your hand. I remember talking to an SAS soldier who was a friend of mine. I was just talking and he had many 
tours and he, he, he said something one time about a particular tour where he was in Afghanistan and he, he, he mentioned something. He said, you, you know, the, the army with the greatest weapons, it was really simple. The, the army with the greatest weapons has the authority, the ascendancy. I thought, wow, that is so simple but so profound. Sometimes as the church, we don't know our weaponry. And so we feel just victims of life. We feel like we are the tail and not the head as promised to us in Scripture. One of those weapons, uh, I mean, the major weapon that God has placed in your hand is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And it's with that mighty warrior. (laughs) Can I call you that? Gideon, oh mighty warrior. Who, me? (laughs) I'm the weakest clan of the weakest family in all of Israel. Mighty warrior. Defeat the Israelites. Today in the presence of God, He wants to rename your life. He wants to call you mighty warrior with a sword in your hand. See, only lies can keep you stuck. Listen to this carefully. Only lies can keep you stuck. Your past, according to the Scriptures, cannot keep you stuck. (laughs) Even your past bad decisions, according to the Scriptures, cannot keep you stuck. Your upbringing cannot keep you stuck. Growing up on the wrong side of the fence cannot keep you stuck, according to the Scriptures. What people have said about you cannot keep you stuck. What people have done to you cannot keep you stuck. Who you are, who you think you are, cannot keep you stuck. Who you've been, what you've done cannot keep you stuck according to the Scriptures. It's only lies about those things that can keep you stuck. John 8.32, Jesus speaking, then you will know the truth. And the truth will just leave you with a mediocre life of just, you know, walking through life with a mediocre existence. That's what Jesus said. Is that what He said? Come on, church, help me out here. Prophesy it over your spirit. You will know the truth. Come on, church. And the truth is just going to put you down. The truth is going to set you free. The truth. The lie is going to keep me in a rut, but it's the truth over my past. It's the truth of how much God loves me. It's the truth of my future. It's the truth of my identity. It's truth of my my purpose and my future. It's the truth of my existence that will set me free. (laughs) You can change. Have you ever been out in this beautiful environment that we live in. Maybe in the water, you're down Fingal Headland there and you're swimming, you're surfing and you see a dolphin, a pot of dolphins through the waves. Out the back, it is like, whoa, that is awesome. They're, you know, they have sometimes seals on the, on the point there at, that fingal and they're just through the water so quick and they're up on a rock and then they're down and, and then the dolphins. And 
have you ever looked at them just longingly? Maybe you've seen an eagle just soar on the air. And you've just seen it just get the thermals and go through the air and then catch another one. They're not even, they're not squawking, they're not flapping, they're just catching the thermals. And the sense of freedom is just awe-inspiring. Have you ever looked at them and had a bit of a longing in your spirit? Maybe you didn't say it quite like this, but you're just like, man, I just want to be free. I just want to be free. I just want to be sore. I just want to go through the water. I just want to go through life free. The good news is you can change <laughs> through Jesus. Oh, the promise of freedom is too good to pass by. What lies are keeping you stuck? What truth is setting you free? <laughs> I've got one minute for an illustration. For those that are four-wheel drive enthusiasts, I was at one point, pre-kids, <laughs> where you could spend money on, you know, snorkels up the side of cars and all sorts of things. You, you, you know when you're you, a real four-wheel drive enthusiast when they've got, you know, a snorkel up the side so they can go deep into water and, and there's a winch on the front of the car, you know, a winch, a four-wheel drive winch, so that if they get stuck, they can get out. If you know how it works, a, a winch is a motorised part of machinery that has a line attached to it, a hook and a line, stainless steel cable is put on the front of a four-wheel drive so that if they do get stuck, uh, you can put it in reverse, you can take the line out, you can pull it all the way out and patter, stand up. You can wrap it around a tree and you can hook it on, that's you the tree, sequoia, and, um, and, and you can press the on switch and you... You were stuck, but the mechanics, the machinery pulls you out of being stuck and you once again can continue your crazy adventures as a four-wheel drive enthusiast. <laughs> I love the Word of God because that is a beautiful illustration to me of the Word of God, that when we're stuck, that when we're stuck the Word of God, it doesn't happen all of a sudden sometimes but you wrap it around something firm, this is Jesus, you let the Word of God, you, you let the Word of God create a new path. You are stuck. But your destiny is not in being stuck. Your calling is not in being stuck. Your future is not in being stuck. Your future in God is to be free. Remember the eagle? Remember the longing? That's a God thing inside of you for a longing for freedom that only Jesus can give to you. You wrap yourself around the Word of God. You let Him pull you out. The Word of God is living and active. It's not an old book of fables that's dead and buried. It's alive. It's taking you somewhere. It's taking you into your destiny, into your purpose, into your future. You can change. What do you stand your feet? Are you afraid of change? Do you believe change is possible? Yes. 
Jesus wants to remind you today, you can change. You can change. Why don't you just lift your hands out towards Jesus right now across this place. Heavenly Father, You're so kind. You're just so wonderful. Your grace, Your goodness, Your love. Heavenly Father, I step back right now because I know Your Spirit has drawn us to this series, has drawn us to these messages. And so in many ways, I just continue to step back. So Holy Spirit, You know people better than I know them. You know them better than they know themselves. You minister now, Holy Spirit. Speak, bring light upon areas that they are currently stuck and bring light and freedom to take that next step in You, I pray in Jesus' Name. In marriages, in relationships, in the way they see themselves, the future, their purpose in You, I pray bring light of heaven and may it set them free today in Jesus' mighty name. If you can right now, I want you to take 30 seconds, 40 seconds to pray for the person on your right. Then take another 30 or 40 seconds. I want you to put your hand on their shoulder if it's appropriate. Begin to pray, begin to prophesy. Speak the freedom of heaven over their life over their future right now in Jesus' Name. Take 30 seconds. Come on. Yes, Jesus. Come on, another 20 seconds. You can change. You can change the Holy Spirit. Move upon people's hearts. Releasing minds. Releasing past. Five seconds. Yes, Jesus. So good. So good. You know, can I finish with this? I just want to pray for you one more time. Just feel God prompting me again. Remember, I I stood, sat in front of my friend psychologist and I said, you know, post-trauma through body, what am I up for? And he said, 18 months. Remember that I was saying that? About 18 months, two years. You've got to be really proactive about walking this through, particularly. God, God reminded me of how possibly worldwide but even probably accentuated here on the Tweed that we have been through trauma. Can I speak to you like a pastor for a second? You know, not only with COVID, because that was traumatic, just so many ways. I don't want to over-emotionalise it and get political. That's below. But, but it was traumatic. Families being split up, 
you know, conversation. We went through a whole lot of stuff that we weren't created, designed or prepared or equipped to deal with. Trauma. Then you put floods on top of that. Fire in our nation, floods in this region. Trauma. Now, while I'm telling you the truth, I'm also speaking in a way of love and freedom. Because that is the truth. We need to accept that, that we have been through a traumatic experience. Once again, counsellors will tell you that a number, uh, an empowering way to walk through trauma is to be real about it, speak about it and keep on moving. And I think this is how gracious and kind and loving God is that God would say, John, I want you to speak on, you know, getting, getting stuck in a rut. I think when I'm looking back at it, thinking I'm like, He knows that we've been through some traumatic things and He doesn't want us to get stuck. He, he's got a great purpose and destiny and calling for every one of us. And so I want to pray as we finish this series right now, just for a brand new sense of God calling us into victory and overcoming. Now it might be the, the, the floods or, or, or COVID season may not be traumatic for you. There may be something else, but God is calling us out into something of His goodness and grace. So take the hand of the person beside you as I close in prayer right now. <laughs> Jesus, once again, I'm just praying over Your people. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You're not done. You're not finished. That You're moving. That You're alive. Lord Jesus, I pray for life. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration and renewal in the house of God, in the people of God, in the people of faith today. I thank You for Your promise that He who the sun sets free is free indeed. So thank You, Lord God, today that You don't call us back to a yoke of slavery or bondage, but we receive the spirit of sonship. By Him we cry, Abba, Father, Papa, Father, You're calling us into a great calling and destiny and promise. So Heavenly Father, release Your Spirit upon Your people today in a mighty, mighty way in Jesus' Name. And everybody shouted, Amen, Amen, Amen. Garden is a life-giving church with a passionate commitment to help people grow in a loving relationship with Jesus, to gather in a faith-filled community, and to go and make a difference in our world. Find out more at gardenchurch.com. That's G-A-R-D-N church.com. Or on Instagram and Facebook at Garden Church. That's G-A-R-D-N church.